So, Mother's Day today, and um, so I thought I'd talk about mums. Um, I've done the odd Father's Day sermon, which I had a bit more experience on, um, being a dad. Um, and normally when I do a Father's Day sermon, I, you know, just try to pump people up and say, come on, lift your game. But um, I think it's, uh, I think with mums, they just, the game's just already pretty high. So I think we just, you know, just tell them what a great job they're doing and, and move on. So I think... Johnny says there's a photo booth and morning tea. Are we, are we good? <laughs> like, we'd, we can call it quits there? Anyway, anyway, Johnny told me I had to announce afterwards that there's a photo booth and morning tea. Is that right, Johnny? Special morning tea. Now, he said to do it afterwards, but I will definitely forget that. So I'm doing it right now. So, great. Anyway, I was trying to think of stories about my mum because I've known her for a long time. I've known her all my life. And... Um, I could only come up with one, can you believe that? So maybe as we're going on, I'll think of more great stories and I'll just pop them in. But um, this is a great example of why mums are great. So uh, it was when I was in, I think, year 11 or 12, and at that time we um, we'd already moved out to where they live now, which is just a few k's out of town. And we, I was doing, um, I think distance ed is the more official term for it, but we were just being at home most of the day. And uh, so anyway, it was that time of my life and we'd got together all these clothes that we had to go to a secondhand um, bin, right? You know, you've seen them, like the Salvo's bin. And there's not many bins like that around at the moment, but the one my mum had designated to go to was smack outside North Rocky High School. Like right front gate. It might not be there anymore, but that's where it was at the time. Front gate, North Rocky High School. And she picked the great time of about three o'clock to go. <laughs> and we're pulling up and mum said, okay, just get out and put all those bins in the bag. You know, and I said, I don't know why, I wouldn't care now. Like the things teenage boys too, they do. Teenage boys are just nuts. Like I know what's wrong with them, but it's good when they grow up. <laughs> so anyway, I said to mum, I'm not doing that. That's so embarrassing. And then so she got out and did it all for me, you know? That's what mums do, and they do it all day, every day, and um, guess what? The older you get, the more you appreciate it, and especially when you have your own kids, it's just like next level. You think, wow, I didn't realise my parents were this good, (laughs) but they are. So kids, whenever you're whinging about your parents, and we get a lot lot from our kids too, you know, just just know that you'll grow up one day and understand, (laughs) and then you'll feel stupid for all the stuff you said to your parents. Anyway, we're talking about mums today. Um, so, oh, this is a scripture about my mum too. So I, I just thought we'd talk about a few mums from the Bible and we're throwing some scriptures that apply. And, um, and I do have a challenge at the end though. I'm not letting mums get scot-free away without a bit of a step up. So, but we'll be nice for the majority of it, okay? So this is from 2 Tim. It says... I'm reminded, this is Paul writing to Timothy, I'm reminded of your authentic faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I'm sure that this faith is also also inside you. So if uh, someone's writing me a letter today, they'd say, I'm reminded of your authentic faith which first lived in your grandmother Noreen, I mean, what a grandmother's name, and your mother Hazel. (laughs) I just had to remember her name. And I'm sure this faith is also inside of you. So that, that verse is for my mum. So mum, if you're listening, that one's for you. It's great that um, faith runs through generations. And um, yeah, anyway, I thank God for my mum.
So I'm going to talk, to talk about some mums in the Bible, okay? So the first mum I'm going to talk about is uh, Jochebed. Now, Jochebed was Moses' mum, okay? Um, yeah, his birth mum. And we, we pick up that story in Exodus 1, if you want to read the story in full. And what happened was he was born at a time, this is after Joseph had been ruler of Egypt, a couple of hundred years later, and um, Pharaoh was really worried about the number of Hebrews in that land, and so he made a rule that any male Hebrew had to be thrown into the Nile. Allowed to keep the females, but the males were, um, had to be um, yeah, thrown into the Nile. So when Jochebed had Moses, she hit him for three months. So she disobeyed the rule of the land, and she hit him. But then it got to a stage where he was just getting a bit unwieldy to hide anymore. So at three months old, she paint, got a basket, painted it with you know, tar or something to make it a bit more, I don't know if it floats or they just put it in the reeds, but she put the baby in the basket, put Moses in the basket, and well, she did. She did what she was told. She put it in the river. Yeah, so she did do what she was told. Good on her. So she put the baby in the river in a basket, and, um, and what was amazing about that, you, I know you, know all this, you all know this story, but what was amazing is Pharaoh's daughter came down to the riverside and heard the baby, and then um, Moses' sister said, oh, do you happen to want someone to look after that baby? And she said, yes, I do. And, and then, believe it or not, um, Jochebed got to raise Moses up, up to a, at least an age where he went to live in the palace. And so... There's a lot of lessons we have to learn, at my, and this is what our mums do. Remember, we're, we're endorsing our current mums. We're not telling them to lift the game. We're, we're, we're rejoicing that they're actually like this now. This is what mums do. And what Jochebed did is she was full of faith, and she had the courage to protect her child no matter what. That's what mums do. That's what our mums do. Um, she had a plan, and it was a good one. It was a bit of a sneaky plan, but it's great when mums have plans. But, um, of course, she was full of faith. Jochebed was full of faith. And our women here, our mums here, full of faith. And in this particular case, she had the faith to confidently place her child into the hands of God. Like, it's, like, it's not as easy just throwing a, putting a baby in a basket in a river. Like, in the eyes of Jochebed, that was putting the baby in the Nile. That was end game. And yet she, she had the faith in God to put her baby in God's hands. And we all do that as parents. You know, we pray that, we dedicate our kids. But in her case, yeah, like the rubber really hit the road there. But she did it. And that's what's great about mums. Placing our children into the hands of God and having the courage to do it. Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So this scripture wasn't written to mums, but it's for you today. Okay? Don't become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Before I go on, David said something earlier about mums, and I'm going to reiterate that too. When God created men and women, 
he created them in his image. In fact, it says, he made man in his image, male and female, he created them. So women, you are, every bit of you, all your personalities is the image of God. God you know, God made you that way. And those traits, I mean, we're reading them of courage and faith. So all those feminine traits are in you, they are the image of God. God, they're in God, and, and he put them in you. So, you know, just be confident in that. And um, this, you know, this time, I, I know, well, we know Jesus Christ came to the uh, earth as a male. That's um, indisputable. And we know we refer to God the Father as God the Father, but there are also other references that are feminine as well. And you can go and look them up. But, you know, Jesus, when he was on earth, and he was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, he said, how I wish I could gather you like a, a mother hen gathers its chicks. Right, this is Jesus talking. And so he used a very feminine uh, description to talk about his love for, for the people of Jerusalem. And he didn't even use like a, a strong bird, you know, like you can imagine if you're gonna describe yourself as a, a bird, I mean birds sound female anyway, but if you're going to describe yourself as a bird, you'd say, I'm an eagle or, you know, or a vulture or something with a bit of, you know, something with a bit of a meanness to it. But he said, I'm a mother hen. Like, and you, then you, all you get is images of old grandmas just waddling. <laughs> Don't you? When you think of mother hens, you know, just, just cuckling away and, you know, someone with an apron just wandering around. Well, that's what I think of when I think of a mother hen, so anyway. Anyway, there's other descriptions in the Bible, so just remember you're made in the image of Christ. Okay, we're going to talk about another mum. Two mums, Naomi and Ruth. Um, they were mum and mother-in-law uh, mother and daughter-in-law to each other, but they were both mums. So um, what happened in this story is um, Naomi and her husband were from Bethlehem and they had two boys. And what happened was that a famine hit Bethlehem. Okay, so there's no food, no work. So it's like a lot of families do these days. You know, if there's no work, sometimes they have to move. Like you have to provide for your family. So they moved to Moab. And then um, when they were there, uh, the dad died, Naomi's husband. Um, but Naomi had her two boys married. Um, and they... The, I can't remember their names, they're long ones, or at least strange. But they married a girl called Ruth and a, a girl we like to call um, Oprah. Or Orpah, <laughs> yes. Yes. But <laughs> Orpah, not Oprah. And, uh, but anyway, this is a sad story, Marion. And then the, the two boys died, okay? So what you have left in Moab, which is a foreign country, you have Naomi and Ruth and Orpah and uh, two daughter-in-laws and a mother-in-law. And Naomi said to him, uh, you might as well go. Uh, I'm like, there's no use hanging with me. Even if I happen to get married and have a husband and have more sons, like we're talking decades away, so um, just go, do your own thing. And um, Orpah did. She went to the land of wherever she went, in Moab somewhere, and tried to find a new husband. But Ruth, um, um, had that famous quote that we hear comes from Ruth 1, 16 to 17 and just says, no, I will not leave you. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. And I'll be buried. 
And a uh, pretty powerful quote, right? And um, so they headed back to their, um, their homeland and um, through the wisdom of Naomi, Ruth then met Boaz and, and they had kids to, together and obviously um, I think Ruth ended up becoming the great grandmother of David and then that was obviously the line of Christ. So with these two mums, you saw... Um, you saw wisdom from Naomi in how she guided Ruth. You saw submission and, um, I guess, loyalty through, through Ruth. And, but the outcome of that was David was born, but then King Jesus was born. And, and the, it, it's written in Ruth 4 that the women around the town used to say to Naomi, um, Ruth is better than seven sons. That's what they used to say to Naomi. Ruth is better than seven sons. It's pretty cool, right? And, um, and obviously in that generation, sons were uh, worth, you know, worth more than daughters at that time. Um, but So if, if your daughter-in-law is better than seven sons, that's saying something about the character of that woman or those two mums. And so I'm glad here at Peace we have mums who are loyal and we have mums who are wise and mums who, you know, who listened, uh, you know, listened to other women in the church and, and try um, you know, get the wisdom off other, others. And, and I want to encourage you that my, my father last week spoke about praying for the spirit of wisdom. He spoke about it in connection with growing his love as a people. Um, but in remembering this story and remembering what my dad spoke, that's what we should all do. We should pray for an increased love for one another but we need the wisdom as well. So um, I'm doing that every day now, praying for wisdom. I encourage you to as well. In Proverbs 31:28, it says, Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So when you think about um, Ruth and the generations, look, we're calling her blessed today and we're thousands of years later. And so when... When a mum and when a woman, um, you know, follows the wisdom of Christ, this is what happens. Her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. Hannah. So those who don't know the story of Hannah comes from Samuel. And Hannah was um, a, a mum, eventually. She was a lady who couldn't have children. And... Um, She's in the, that's unfortunate. And what was more unfortunate is her husband, Elkanah, had another wife who uh, could have children. And that was Penina, Penina. And um, that's a very unfortunate circumstance. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Sorry. And the Bible says that she, she was, Penina provoked Hannah to irritate her. I can imagine. <laughs> can you imagine, like, we have our own enough identity and self-confidence issues as it is without having, like, competition in as well. So um, she was in a tough situation, Hannah. And, um, you know, she, she went to the temple and was praying so hard, weeping so hard, that Eli thought she was drunk. Like she was, she must have been wailing and screaming and I mean, 
Has anyone said you were drunk when you were praying? On like on the early morning prayer meetings or? No, so you're probably not going hard enough yet. You know, if you want your prayers answered. Turn up the dial a bit. So, and you know, Hannah, she prayed for a son and when she prayed for a son, she said, if you answer my prayer, I'll give him back to you. I'll, and um, you know what? Hannah um, was blessed with a son, Samuel, prophet of Israel. And um, what we like about Hannah and what we learn about Hannah is um, she, she kept her promise. So it can be easy to um, make promises when times are tough or when you need something. We've heard stories like, if you do this for me, I'll you know, follow you for the rest of my days. What we love of the example of the ha- Hannah is she, um, she kept it. And that cost her. Like, it, it's easy to promise something when you don't have it. Um, but when she got it, she then kept the promise and it cost her. But she could go and see him once a year. Like, like can you, like, as a, like, I'm not even a mom. I can't imagine how much that would hurt. But she kept a promise. And, um, and I'm glad that the mums at peace keep, a, keep their promises, you know, and all these good things are true here. Proverbs 31.25 says, She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. And uh, that's what Hannah needed because uh, she, um, she obviously was provoked by Penaniah and then she gave her son away, but, but she was clothed with strength and dignity and, and she laughed at the days to come. This is, I've got two verses I want mums to take home today, so write this one down. This is number one. Proverbs 31, 25. I know it comes from Proverbs 31, which every woman in this church just loves that comparison. Anyway, let's start with one verse. Um, I, I think, I'm not a woman, but I think if, if I was thinking about Kristen, I'm thinking if there's anything that I would like her exhibit, I think strength and dignity would be about it. So... Um, Women, write down Proverbs 31.25 and try to apply it to your life. Clothed with strength, clothed with dignity. Okay? So when you make a promise, you keep it. When things hurt, you go to the temple and you cry and you pray, even if people think you're drunk, and uh, get heard by God. I was going to talk about two moments where things things were actually a bit more painful, but in reflecting... Those three mums had terribly painful, <laughs> like Jochebed who had to put a kid in the river, not knowing where it would come, where things would go. Um, you know, obviously Naomi and Ruth, where all the husbands died. I mean, Naomi's sons died as well. And um, Hannah, who had to give her son away. You know, Mother's Day is hard because when we're giving out chocolates and cake, um, not everyone has 15 kids running around and in the typical Mother's Day type thing, you know. Some people grieve because their mother has died. And some, some mums in the church have had children die. And, 
And some women here or listening have had an abortion and Mother's Day is painful. And some women desperately want to be mums, but it hasn't happened. And some single women want to be married and have kids, but it hasn't happened. And some people have had a difficult and painful relationship with their mum. And others just regret the pain that they cause their mum. So it's nice celebrating mums on Mother's Day, but well, we've already heard three stories where it was completely painful and we just look at the good sides. Like, what, what, do we, what do we think about when it's actually painful? And uh, there's a couple of mums in the Bible who it was. I think it's a bit painful, but um, the next one maybe not as painful as some of the others. I, I think this is a bit of a painful story, but this is Sarah. So she was married to Abraham. Naomi and Ruth is probably a more painful story than this, but anyway. I just found this one a sad story. I know she has a kid by the time she's like 99 or something, but like we hear her story starts in Genesis 11, and we hear that she can't conceive. So that's not great. But can you imagine not being able to conceive and you're say 65 years old, and then your hubby comes home and says, "We're moving. Where to? I don't know." God told me we're going to go to land and he's going to show me where it is. We're all going. Like that would not go down well, I can imagine. Like we call Abraham the father of faith, but what about Sarah? Right, she has to sit here copping all this, right? And, and then he gives Abraham a promise in Genesis 12 that says you'll be the father of many nations, Right? So Abraham's 75 at this time and Sarah's 65 and they move to a land where they don't know where they're going. I mean, Sarah must have been a looker, right? Because at 65 she wanders into Egypt with Abraham and he has to make up a lie because the king's going to take her. That's 65. You think it's just, there has to be options in Egypt, right? <laughs> don't you think? I don't know. I'm just looking at the logic of the story. 65 is pretty old. I mean, like, and it's not. <laughs> like, it's, it's not like she lived to 900 like some of the early people. She lived to 125. So, like, she's in the second half, right? Yeah, I'm just checking my math. So she's past middle age. She's in the second half. So, um, and yet, Abraham's worried. So she must have looked pretty good, right? She, she must have gone to the gym every day, jogged, whatever they do to keep fit and strong. Probably carted the water every day, so, you know, whatever they had to do back then. So anyway, so they leave then, and he, they're given a promise, and... She's barren, she's 65. And then by the time she's, I don't know, I haven't looked up the years, say like 15 years later, like ages later, like God's reconfirming this covenant, but there's no baby around. So Abraham decides to take, well they do, decide to take matters into their own hands and hook up Abraham with Hagar, who's a slave that they got from Egypt of all places. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
So, so in the end, Abraham has a kid with Hagar. And can you imagine the doubt in Sarah's... Like, this is painful. This is unfulfilled promises, unfulfilled expectations, doubt, waiting, uh, promises given by God, not kept. Um, Who knows where they're going? Like, they're living in a tent. Like, I just get in trouble when I don't paint my house. Like, at least we're not in a tent. It could be worse. Right? (laughs) Um, Sarah even laughed at this idea. Right? Takes matters into her own hands, full of disbelief and doubt. And yet, God says to her, is anything too hard for the Lord? And um, what we can learn from Sarah is that nothing is too hard for God. And, but there are many times when we struggle to see God's promises fulfilled in our own lives. Uh, we all have disappointments, doubt, despair, disbelief. And part of the walk of faith is somehow not taking that into your own hands. And, um, and Sarah did. She took matters into her own hands. They tried to bring the air through another means. And then she kicked Hagar out. And, but you know, although Sarah made many mistakes, God kept his promise. She became the mother of Isaac and ultimately the mother of many nations. So through that journey of her motherhood, she experienced doubt, despair, disbelief. But God told her, is there anything too hard for the Lord? So when it's painful, when it's difficult, what's, whatever's in your face, just, just trust, just trust God. Trust, trust that God will keep his promises in your life, okay? Just trust God. And Sarah's an encouragement because even though she made mistakes, God was still faithful to her. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So the encouragement here today is none of us are perfect. We all sin. Every, we know our mums sin. We all do. We're humans. But thank goodness that mums are full of love because if love covers sins, mums are on the top of that list. Because mums give and love and serve and serve and serve and love. And um, anyway, we thank God for mums. This is the last one, Hagar. This one to me is probably one of the most painful stories in the Bible. Painful for a mum. Like Hagar. So this was Sarah's slave. This was the girl that when Sarah was full of doubt and questioning and tried to take matters into her own hands, she appointed Hagar, the bearer of this, like she basically put her problems onto Hagar. And so Hagar bore the brunt of this. Um, 
like I said, she got picked up in Egypt. She was a, well, I don't know if they picked her up when they were there, but she was from Egypt. Um, and Sarah was her boss. So when they tried to fulfill the promise their own way, not trusting God, Hagar got thrown into the mix. Okay, so, and then in Genesis 16, Hagar is pregnant and Sarah despises her. Like, so can you imagine being someone's worker and they tell you to do something and then they hate you for doing it? You know, like, so she's pregnant and then Sarah hates her and sends her into the wilderness. Like, just sends her straight out into the desert. And, um, and believe it or not, God met with Hagar out in the desert. And you know what God said to her? He said, go back and submit to Sarah. That's what he said. And guess what Hagar did? She went back and she submitted to Sarah. How's that for a bit of pain? Right? So used, basically used, abused, cast away. God meets you on the road and say, check your attitude, back you go. And so then she obeys God. Like, isn't that incredible? Oh, I, f- I find that incredible. And then, so Ishmael's born, and then, and then, like, Sarah sends her away again, like when Isaac's born, when, when she's like 100. And, and then we don't hear of her again. That's a painful story. Like, that's not a nice life. And yet, she's a mum that we can look up to because she obeyed her boss. She didn't have a husband. She submitted to, to God and to her boss. And then, and then she gave this name to the Lord. Is this what the Bible says? She gave a name to God. I don't think this happens anywhere else. Everywhere else, God is revealing himself. But in this case, Hagar gives a name to God. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So through Hagar, which is probably one of the most painful stories in the Bible about a mum, we learn that God sees us. He knows us and he cares for us. So when God says, consider the lilies, I look after them, that, that's that name. I see you. And when Jesus says, you know, the sparrows, like, and I can count the hairs on your head, that's the name that Hagar gave him. The name is El Roy, the God who sees me. So through this woman in the Bible, we learn that God is faithful when others abandon us, that we know God hears us and answers. You know Ishmael means God hears. And then Hagar gave the name to God saying, God sees. So the whole story about Ishmael and Hagar, we learn that God hears us and God sees us. We also learn through the story of Hagar that God's grace is sufficient. God met her in the wilderness twice and his grace was sufficient for her. It wasn't easy. It wasn't nice life. 
It was painful and tough and terrible, and it didn't get better for Hagar. She came back and it got worse. But God met her both times, and his grace is sufficient for you. And it tells us that God has a plan, and his timing is perfect. And that story also reminds us that God provides. So, I know things are tough. I know, basically, for most people I talk to, there's pain in lives. It's not all the same. Everyone's different, but everyone has a story. So, yes, we need to celebrate Mother's Day. It's a great day. We love our mums. But I also recognise there's pain. But when you, when you feel that, just think of Hagar. Whenever you feel pain now, think, think of Hagar and what, what she called God, the God who sees me. And, and remember, God sees you. He, he does. So if you think you're all alone, God, God sees you. And, and you can talk to him. This is my other scripture from Proverbs that I need mums to take home. Okay? It's the last one for today. And um, Lloyd was talking to me about this, so I thought, no, this is really good. I'm going to throw it in. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears her down. So this is the challenge. I know I spent 40 minutes on Father's Day, you know, provoking dads to stand up and be accountable and lead and, you know, move first and all that. This is the one for mums today, okay? Just, Just remember, and your house might be just you. The house might be you and your brothers and sisters or like you could be just married and no kids. Like, this doesn't say, we're talking to women here. We're not talking to mums. It's Mother's Day, but we're talking to women. Okay? So each of you are 18 or older. This challenge is for you today. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. So when you're dealing with your kids, when you're at work, some of that house could be just your place of employment. Don't tear your own house down. You're nuts. Honestly. Like, I know you're in, some of you are in stressful situations, but it only gets worse when you tear down your own house. You don't want to be the woman who pulls down your own house. Okay? It's just better to be silent. So, that's the challenge for women today. But I think you're all great. And I think my mum's great. I think mothers are great. I think women are great. But you have to leave here with a challenge, sorry. So that's it today. Please put that on your irons, as my dad would say. (laughs) I wouldn't say that. I just, anyway, I'm just quoting my dad, sorry. No. I think it's in the Pentateuch somewhere. I think it's Deuteronomy. It's, It's like write them on your doors. So if you need to write it on your door above your bedroom... Right on your, even better, get a plaque and just screw it to your front door. Do that. Because every time you walk in, wise woman builds a house. Don't tear your own house down. Do that. Someone send me a photo of the first woman who does that. It'll be a lucky door prize. So, um, okay, I'm done. I'm going to, what am I going to do? I'm just, I, I never think about how I'll end a sermon, unfortunately. And then I'm just going to pray, and, um, and then we're going to sing How Great Thou Art, because I enjoyed that song. So that's what we're going to do.
But I'm going to pray first. Lord, I'm thankful that you see us um, and you see us all. But Lord, today on Mother's Day, I'm especially thankful that you see women. That you see, you saw Hagar all those years ago and your grace was sufficient for her and you provided for her. Lord, I'm thankful she submitted to you. Lord, and, and the women here at peace, you know, the different difficulties, the pain. Lord, I thank God you know them. You hear and you see. So today we choose to submit. We choose to step into your grace, step into your wisdom and your provision and rest. Lord, we thank you that when we rest, you can act. And so we choose to rest in your faithfulness today. Heavenly Father, I ask that your provision and grace and wisdom would rest today on the people of peace, rest on all the mums, rest on all the women. May hearts be settled, may faith grow, and may we be more sure day by day of, you know, our love for Christ and, um, and the Holy Spirit in our lives. We commit ourselves to you today. Amen.